0: Hello there, everybody. I'm James. I am the pastor of the Glenwood Moravian Community Church. We are here in Madison, Wisconsin, and this is our podcast, The Essentials, a place for us to explore our faith a little bit further and to talk about what hope and joy, what good news we have to cling to. For this episode, I have for you our second of our midweek Lenten series, a class that we're calling Moravian 101. We're seeing how much Moravian info we can give to you in the season of Lent. During our first session, we went from the teachings and the understandings of John Huss and the movement that he sparked. We walked with him in the Czech Republic, much through the city of Prague. Um, we followed those who continued his work eventually getting to Gregory the Patriarch, the one who established what became the Moravian Church as we know it in the world today. He established the unity of the Brethren in the mid-1400s, taking the work of Huss, taking inspiration um, from those who followed, and starting a Christian community. Today, we'll walk um, from Gregory the Patriarch to their next leader, who was Luke of Prague. And we'll hear um, some of his theology, particularly his understanding of the essentials, the ministerials, and the incidentals, and how those um, help us walk in a life of faith. Those three have kind of paralleled into a phrase that uh, Moravians in the United States really appreciate. Um, It is an unofficial Moravian motto. You'll see it in Moravian churches around the country. That phrase is in essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, and in all things love. We can't claim it as a uniquely Moravian phrase. Um, There is a German theologian in the 1600s who uh, people think might have coined it. It could be traced all the way back to St. Augustine. Uh, Lots of people have said similar things, uh, and Moravians have have clung on because they do parallel quite well with essentials, ministerials, incidentals, when you think of essentials, non-essentials, all things love. So that's work that will come from Luke of Prague, and we'll talk just a little bit about how he became uh, an influential figure in the church and how he breaks down those three elements of um, being a Christian. So, Luke of Prague graduated from the University of Prague in 1481. He, too, um, was in that city that became a center for um, the movement that led up to the Protestant Reformation. He was well-educated. He was inspired, um, much like Gregory the Patriarch. Luke of Prague was inspired by the writings of Helshiki, someone who came after Huss and expanded on some of Huss's ideas might have been even more radical than Huss himself. So Luke was introduced to the Unisus Fratrum, the unity of the brethren, and decided to join. And he was part of a second generation that joined this Christian community. When he joined, they were um, still living a quiet um, farming lifestyle in community with one another, kind of detached from the world. They took seriously the teachings um, to separate yourself from secular authority, to follow Christ's teaching alone, um, and they were still an illegal group. So part of it was um, staying under the radar and staying safe. Um, But when Luke comes along, there are several others um, who are also educated and also are interested in this community of faith and are starting to wonder if there might be a different path forward. And these ideas will kind of merge and conflict into um, the only schism that the unity has gone through, and that was in the 1490s. A few things led up to um, the actual event of the schism and the need for such discussion and decision-making. The first being that Gregory the Patriarch had passed away. This was the founder of their community. This was such a charismatic leader for them, and It was a tremendous loss for their group. Some writings um, compare it to the disciples losing Jesus. That's the type of figure that Gregory was. Along with the loss of Gregory, there was um, differences being noticed between the generations. As those who founded the church um, got a little bit older and younger people either were born into it or joined later. Um, Those in the community were finding as is often the case that the kids who were coming up didn't have such strong connection to some of the ideals and some of the, the way that the community worked. And also, uh, a group was coming in that was very educated and very connected to the outside world. So they wanted to stay true to the vision of Gregory. They wanted to... Um, stay connected to the writings of Helsinki and the movement of Huss, but there was a feeling that things needed to change. They continued to have issues with the authority around them. They should outright reject authority or find a way to operate in society. Luke of Prague was also frustrated with the Eucharist Church, um, one of the movements from John Huss in his teachings, who in his eyes had become more of a ceremonial church, that they were um, doing rituals and ceremony. They were worshiping the sacraments and um, weren't doing the work of a Christian community following Jesus. But the main rift, um, as they thought about reform, thought about changing how their community looked, was if they should remain a secluded community keeping to themselves, detached from the world, living in harmony with one another. Should that be their approach, or are they called to bring Christ to the world and embrace the challenges that that might bring? They saw a lot of um, inspiration from the Sermon on the Mount, and they realized that getting that to be a reality probably isn't something that can be accomplished on earth, but are they called to... Take those steps and make that effort. So Luke of Prague became a key voice during the schism. And he would write um, some teachings and some guidance that would become the theology of the unity as they went through the Protestant Reformation. Because now they had to explain their beliefs not only to the Catholic Church, but to other Protestant churches as well. And this was ultimately the way that the unity would be going through leadership of Luke of Prague. So he, too, worked from the teachings of Hus and Helsiki, but he was concerned with finding a way for their community to function in society. What he wrote became part of what confirmation classes would take, um, part of what new members would take as they joined the church, And he believed that a big part of the issues they were having, the reason they were experiencing a schism, was because people were having a misunderstanding between what is essential to being a Christian and then what is ministerial or incidental. Getting those things confused was causing most of their problems. So he broke down um, Christian life In things that are essential, things that you need to have, things that are ministerial, those things that are tools that help us point to the essentials, and things that are incidental. that don't matter as much. They can be very helpful. They can be very important to the individual, but can vary depending on the time, the place, and the person themselves. For the essentials, nothing exists Without them, you have to have the essentials to have Christian faith. And there are three elements that God does on the part of the essentials, and there are three ways that we respond. And if you lose any of those pieces, you are no longer um, functioning as a Christian community. It's like we need humans. We need water to survive. Without water, there is no life for us. And while we might think we need coffee to make it through the day, that we will perish without coffee, the truth is it's a tool. It is nice, but it's not necessary for survival. So there's the essentials. There'll be three things we'll talk about that God does, the three ways that we respond. Below the essentials, um, tools that are incredibly important, which is why Luke calls them the ministerials. It's an issue with the the current um, Moravian motto that after essentials, we say non-essentials, which something means that the things next on the list don't have importance, which isn't the case. Um, but these ministerials are the tools we use here on Earth to point us to The essentials. They are incredibly useful for Christianity and for church life, but on their own, they are not sacred. Communion itself is not sacred unless it is helping people come to a place of faith, hope, or love. Those tools, those practices, those creeds and doctrines have to point to faith. Hope and love. Otherwise, they are no longer useful in a Christian faith. And there's a great deal of caution with the ministerials because sometimes they have been elevated, almost worshiped as a form of idolatry. People have been killed over arguments over the ministerials, and the ministerials have been abused to uh, exclude people. To take advantage of people, to hold power over others. So, on their own, they can be a dangerous and even hurtful thing. But when they point us to what's essential, that's when they find their worth. And finally, the incidentals, um, they are items of culture and taste. They vary across time and location. They can be very mean- meaningful for an individual, but Um, there is no need to be in unity on them. Let's start with the essentials, those things we need to have in order to be Christian, and talk about what exactly is involved here. And it's important to say that we need these things to be Christians, not to be Moravians. These are essentials for the whole of Christian faith according to Luke of Prague. So first is the understanding of what God does, the gifts that God offers to us. There are three functions that God takes um, care of. That is God as our creator, God as our redeemer, and God as our sanctifier, who makes us holy. If God doesn't do these things, nothing else happens. Nothing else matters. That's why they are essential, and they're essential to our faith. So first, as God the creator, we believe that God is good, and so this creation is fundamentally good. We've been trusted to care for it, and that we should um, be good stewards of this creation, But also we know that God has created this world, so this world belongs to God, not to us, and we belong to God. And not only has God created us, given us life, but God has given all human beings life. And that we should care for each other, even strangers we don't know, as well as we care for ourselves. Second, as God our Redeemer, it is God's action to save souls, not ours. That is not our job. Only God alone can do that, and God saves other souls as well, not just our own. God's not just going to save the Moravian Church. God is concerned with saving all humans. And finally, that God blesses us or makes us holy. This is the gift of belief that we get through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we believe that we can become better people through God's work, through those gifts God has given to us. And as we receive those gifts, our three responses are to produce faith, hope, and love. And again, this makes us Christian, not Moravian. And those three things, faith, hope, and love, they cannot be separated. They're gifts given to God as our creator, our redeemer, and as our sanctifier. You cannot have one without having the others. So as we respond in faith to God's work in our lives, we see faith as trust and commitment in God, not a creed that we memorize, not something that we pledge. It is uh, a commitment and a belief within us, not something we recite or memorize. The faith that we have should be seen in what we do. It should be evident that we have faith because of the way we live our lives. And again, as we mentioned, faith in God, the creator We believe that God has created each and every one of us. And God loves us individually, but loves others as well. The same love that we feel God has for us, God has for other people too. It's a very ecumenical approach, seeing others with that worth and that value. As we think of the faith in God, our Redeemer, we believe that God was present in Christ on the cross, and that through God, Jesus conquered the grave, meaning that we live without fear, that we are saved from our wrongdoings, that we are not just a matter of our wrongdoings, that we are saved and forgiven. We believe that. And we have faith in God as sanctifier. We believe that the Holy Spirit is at work and is present in the world today. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, God's presence is in us. And we live forgiven, loved, and redeemed. And that's a gift that we enjoy because of the work of the Holy Spirit. So that's how we respond in faith. We also respond with love. We love ourselves. We love our God. We love our neighbor. And we love the world around us, that this is God's creation. We are here to care for it. Environmentalism should be a pillar of the Moravian Church for our task of caring for this creation. But Luke of Prague will also say that love is not an emotion. Love is an action. Much like how others should see your faith, they should see and experience your love in action. And finally, the last of the three being hope, that we, as people of faith, as we respond to God's gifts in our lives, our hope allows us to view the future with confidence, with eager anticipation, knowing that this life is not our only life, knowing that God is still at work in our world today, and we live hopeful That we can make this present world look more like heaven. Look more like the future we hope for as we experience eternal life through faith in God. So we believe in God as our creator, as the one who saves us, as the one who blesses us and makes us holy. And as a response to those gifts, we produce faith, hope, and love. That is what's essential to our faith. And everything else has to point to those essentials. Otherwise, we are falling off the path. So the ministerials, those tools that at their very best are sacred because they help us find the essentials. And again, a word of caution of the modern Moravian motto. Some people will say this is the non-essential category when really the non-essentials sound um, closer to incidentals. This ministerial term is somewhere between where things have tremendous value, but on their own, they are not sacred and they need to point to what is essential. So the ministerials help us respond to God's grace. They are the tools we use here in this life to help us seek out those essentials. Luke of Prague wrote them as a way to help churches cooperate with each other, to see that there can be differences in understanding and differences in practices, but to still see that we worship the same God and we want to produce the same things here on earth. Also, calling these things ministerial, as we'll see just exactly what they are, it leaves room for us to leave unspecified what isn't determined in the Bible. Leave room for risk, mystery, To leave room for changes in our understanding and our experiences. There's um, room for interpretation with the ministerials, as long as Faith, hope, and love are produced. And the unity was coming out of a time where they founded their church based on the church of their day abusing the ministerials that we understand. The church abused ministerials through the sacraments, through communion, because they excluded people as um, they presented the Lord's table. So, they misused this ministerial to exclude people from God's love. They misused what was the sacrament of confession to manipulate people. And they misused the Bible. They had a misuse of the Bible as well because it gave more power to the clergy and left the laity in the shadows. So, the first ministerial, the most important ministerial, most important tool is the Bible. And the Bible is the foundation of all the ministerials that will follow. It is deeply, deeply valued. We would never even suggest that the Bible is a non-essential or not important. Of course, it has tremendous value. But the brethren thought that the Bible should be interpreted through the life and ministry of Jesus found in the Gospels. That is the place where we interpret the Bible from. And it has to lead us to faith, hope, and love. And it's important to say that, along with the other ministerials, without them, you could still be Christian. If you washed up on a desert island, without a Bible, without a church, without access to the sacraments or your worship space, you could lose everything and still be Christian. That's why these are tools that help us find the essentials. They are not sacred on their own. If the Bible was to be essential, if it was something necessary and unchangeable, then we wouldn't be able to translate it. We wouldn't be able to alter the words and go through translation and risk losing the meaning. So the Bible is a tool And it helps us point to those essentials. It can also be used to harm people. Biblical quotes have been used as people have been oppressed and abused. So when it no longer is pointing to the essentials, it's not a tool for our faith. And then as you think about other ministerials, we can think of the sacraments. The sacraments are physical practices that help us communicate divine grace When they are used properly and when they are used well, they are inclusive. They bring faith, hope, and love. They don't bring damage or harm. After the um, sacraments, you think of the church itself, our church buildings, our um, churches as we know it today are incredibly important tools. But if they aren't producing faith, hope, and love, then they're no longer part of being a Christian. Things like the orders of ministry, the priests, the deacons, the bishops, are also ministerials. Having that structure is something that helps us find the essentials, but on its own doesn't have value. The way um, sermons are offered, preaching is a ministerial, sharing the word of the Bible. It can be incredibly helpful to bring faith, hope, and love, but it can bring tremendous harm as well. They also believe that um, the church being a community is part of the ministerials, that it should be a place where faith, hope, and love are formed, and it's a place where you learn to love people outside of your family. But also that the church should be changing and reforming as culture and society changes. The doctrine, the classic creeds that have been handed down throughout Christian history are ministerials as well, very important, but they aren't the essence of our faith. They need to point us somewhere, and they're not immune to criticism or questioning. And finally, um, we mentioned before that Luke of Prague wrote um, a catechism confirmation class. Um, based on these essentials, ministerials, and incidentals, and he wrote it um, as questions and answers, as a form of dialogue, rather than things to recite and memorize. <clears throat> so the ministerials very important, very helpful in Christianity. They are physical tools and practices that we use to help us reach faith, hope, and love. But the risk in them is that their importance gets so high that they become worshipped themselves. When we walk into an area of idolatry, when we start arguing over how communion is practiced or a certain understanding of communion, that pulls us away from what's essential. And we often need to um, take a step back and ask ourselves if this is producing faith, hope, and love. And if it's not then we need to find a different way. Finally, um, what more closely aligns with the non-essentials in the Moravian motto that we love today would be the incidentals. And these are um, practices and cultures. Um, It can be your style of worship, the type of music that you play. It could be a style of preaching, um, the clothes that clergy wear, where you worship, how long your worship service is. These are all um, wonderful elements of being a Christian and they have great value. Um, We all have incidentals that we love from um, traditions passed down to us through childhood, fond memories of early um, formational experiences, but they vary tremendously from person to person. They are things that are helpful, um, but almost aren't even worth um, discussing or arguing about because they're so specific from one person to another. So that's how Luke of Prague can kind of translate to that famous modern-day Moravian motto, helping us keep the essentials in mind, As we deal with any number of social issues in the world today, the essentials and the ministerials can be a great framework for us to rely on. To constantly ask ourselves if we are following the essentials. To experience God as our creator. To experience God as the one who has saved us. The one who makes us holy. And for our response to be full of faith love, and hope. And if what we're doing isn't bringing those three things as our response, then we need to question what we're doing as a Christian community. That is the essence of um, the Scripture, the life of Jesus we find in the Gospels, and that was essential. The Luke of Prague, essential to Moravians today. So the next time you hear that phrase, or the first time you hear it, Um, Hopefully you have a better background for just what exactly that means. And if you hear a Moravian say that the Bible is a non-essential, you'll know what is truly behind that. That those things aren't uh, lacking value or importance, but even without them, we feel like we could be Christians. We know we could be Christians through the gifts God has given us. Everything else is a tool to get us to that place. So that's session two for you. Stay tuned for a few more during the season of Lent. Happy to tell you more about the Moravian Church. Um, We'll soon be getting to Comenius and um, to the Moravians as they encounter Zinzendorf and start um, what's known as the renewed Moravian Church that will eventually make its way to the Americas. So I appreciate you listening. I hope you're well. Take care. Catch you next time.